You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you on this Palm Sunday, this beginning of our Holy Week journey. Our gospel lesson today comes from the Gospel of Mark, the 11th chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible that's actually in your pew now, if you want to follow along. Let us hear the word of the Lord. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it. And he will send it back here immediately. When they went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street, and as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. Holy Week is an experience of the tension between what we assume about God and who God is. This last week of Jesus' life in particular reveals how malnourished our holy imaginations have become. Jesus sends two of his disciples into the city to find a a colt on which Jesus would ride into the city. And this is a fulfillment of Zechariah 9, verse 9, which reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus knows this. The disciples know this. The person that owns the donkey in Jerusalem that they took knows this. When the disciples enter the city and they start to untie a colt, those who are standing by said, what are you doing? The Lord needs it, they reply. And the bystanders allow them to take it. At first, this seems to be a very curious moment, maybe even a moment of great devotion. Look, man, I don't know who you are. 
and you're taking my donkey, oh, the Lord needs it. Well then, here, let me offer it to you. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite with I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Except this isn't devotion. It's more like apathy. Sometimes when reading the Gospels, we forget that Jesus was not the first person to ride a donkey into Jerusalem claiming to be the Messiah, nor would he be the last. Mark goes on to say, Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting Hosanna. Sometimes we think that Mark is simply describing the scene, that there were some in front of Jesus shouting Hosanna, there were some behind Jesus who, was, who were shouting Hosanna, and, and, and with that in mind, it sounds like a very boring detail. Except what Mark offers is much more profound. And it's an indictment, really. There are those who have shouted Hosanna before Jesus, and there are those who will continue to shout Hosanna after Jesus because they still don't understand who Jesus is or the kind of Messiah that Jesus is or the kind of kingdom that Jesus is establishing. Hosanna means save us. Save us politically. Kick Rome out. Give us our country back. The crowd doesn't say, like John the Baptist says in the Gospel of John, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. It's not what they say. They say, blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Trying to recapture the theocracy of old. Scripture does not say that when Jesus was arriving, the crowd then went to go down went to go and cut down palm branches to celebrate Jesus' entry. No, if you read the story slowly, the branches had already been cut. In other words, this is not something new that's happening in Jerusalem. Oh, you need a donkey? Oh, some guy is going to say he's the Messiah? Okay. Get the palm branches that had already been cut down. Someone's going to challenge Rome Again, then Jesus entered into Jerusalem and went to the temple. According to this formula, the one who claims to be the Messiah, the one who claims to be this new ruler of the state, would perform a sacrifice at the temple in honor of the people who is singing his praises. Mark reads, then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked at everything Jesus went out to Bethany with the disciples. There was no show. There was no sacrifice. Jesus looks around and leaves. It reminds us of earlier in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus, uh, we talked about it several weeks ago, he cured many. If you remember, he's curing people in the city, and the city is overwhelmed with people needing healing, and Jesus goes off by himself. The disciples go not to look for him. Mark says they were hunting for him. 
And when they found him, they said, Jesus, you've got to come back. The movement is starting. You've got to heal everyone. And Jesus says, no. Let's keep moving. Let's go to the next town. Sometimes we think that this crowd in Jerusalem were shouting Hosanna on one, in, on one minute and then crucify him in the next, but it wasn't so. How might you think the crowd reacts when they're seeing Jesus riding a donkey into the town and going up to the temple and they're holding their breath and then nothing happens? That's when the murmurs begin from the crowd. That's when apathy begins to grow. And Mark gives us a hint in the next passage as you continue reading the story. It says, on the following day, when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see whether perhaps he would find anything on it. When Jesus came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not season for figs. Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard it. He found nothing but leaves. When Jesus entered into the city, the crowd was waving leaves. But Jesus sees through this. He sees nothing but leaves. It's a poignant verse. Well, it's not the season for figs, Jesus. How could Jesus not know that it wasn't fig season? This is not an agricultural comment in the gospel. Jesus knows when fig season is. It's akin to the Gospel of Matthew where there's this great division that happens where the master separates the nations as the shepherd separates the goats from the sheep. To the sheep, he says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Enter into the joy of your master. And to the goats, he said, you, when I was hungry, you didn't offer me anything to eat. When I was thirsty, you offered me nothing to drink. When I was imprisoned, you didn't visit me. Get out of here. My kingdom doesn't belong to you. Well, Jesus, if, if we knew it was you who were hungry, we would have served. Why do we not understand that all are made in the image of God? The person to your right, the person to your left, the person you agree with, the person that you don't like are all made in God's image. Well, Jesus, if we knew it was you, we would have helped. Jesus, if we knew that we were getting eternal life in return for our service, we would have served. Jesus was hungry and he came to the fig tree and saw nothing but leaves. Saw nothing but apathy. There was no fruit to be had. It wasn't the right season. It's like when someone asked me uh, a couple of weeks ago if they could help with uh, volunteering at Bossier Elementary. Of course you can. But I always laugh to myself because I really want to say, well, it's not back to school Sunday yet. 
it's not the right season to go out and help. Recently, we had a new member ask for a pledge card. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I often, often joke to myself thinking, what I should really say is, it's not stewardship season. Don't worry about signing a card. It's not, it's not season yet to do this. Jesus was hungry and he found only leaves because it wasn't the right season. It's kind of like, it's not time to help the poor. It's not Christmas. It's not the right season. Then Jesus goes back to the temple. He goes back and forth, back to this fig tree, back to the temple, to Bethany, to the temple, to the fig tree, to the temple. And the crowd, I would imagine, is saying, ah, finally, Jesus is going to the temple. He must have forgotten that yesterday he is supposed to perform a sacrifice for all of us who were singing his praises. They were looking for a show, and a show they received. Because Jesus overturned the money changing tables and drove the lenders out of the temple. Do not make my house a den of thieves. Instead of purchasing a sacrifice to give thanks for the people who were praising him, he drove them out. And then, finally then, the Pharisees say, we've got to get rid of him. It's one thing to be a bad Messiah. It's another thing to, to pretend to be the Messiah. But Jesus is tearing down their very system of how they control the people. And when you start to muck with the system that the powerful have built, they will finally try to figure out how to get rid of you. Then interestingly, they go back to the fig tree. Mark writes, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Then Peter remembered. Peter, it happened yesterday. Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. In other words, the last time Jesus was with the tree, he saw only leaves. To put it another way, he saw empty praise. But now the leaves have withered. The crowd is no longer even offering empty praise. The leaves are gone. In other words, now Jesus is done for. Jesus answered them, have faith, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, if you have doubt in your heart, believe, believe in what you want to happen will happen, it will be done for you. When Jesus says, Tell this mountain to be thrown into the sea. When you go to the Holy Land, you'll see outside of Jerusalem, there is a temple mount, and it is Herod's temple. When Jesus says, by faith, tell this mountain to be toppled, he's pointing to Herod's palace. Believe in God. And if you believe in God, you can tell this mountain, even this, to be toppled and thrown into the sea. 
So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe and it will be yours. And then he says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. It's not about toppling Herod's temple so that you can build your own. It's about dismantling the powers and the principalities so that we might know who God is. So that we might know that God is a God of forgiveness and a God of love. Love even to the point of death. So they're at the fig tree. Guess where they're going next? They go back to the temple. Mark writes, Again, they came to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him and said, By what authority are you doing this? Who gave you the authority? To be with them. In other words, Jesus, did you file a permit? Who gave you permission? Did did you go to one of our approved United Methodist seminaries? Did the bishop greenlight this? Did church council vote? They're not curious about Jesus' authority. What they're trying to do is they're trying to put Jesus in a particular box. Who gave you permission? Who's your camp, Jesus? Who's your tribe, Jesus? Who are your people, Jesus? Are you a Republican, Jesus? Are you a Democrat, Jesus? They want to put him in a box so that then they can sling sound bites at him that we hear on the news so that they can destroy him. When you put someone in a box and you think you know who they are, it's easy to discredit them and try to destroy them. So, Jesus says, well, let me... Let me ask you a question. The baptism of John, was that from God? Was that from humanity? Well, then the Pharisees started arguing with each other. Newsflash, surprise. And the Pharisees gather and they say, well, if we we say it's from God, um, then, you know, then the people will, you know, the people thought that that he was was a ruler and and we would be in the wrong if, if John was, John was from God. But if we say that John was, was from humans and humanity and it really wasn't blessed by God, the people are going to rise up and they're going to get rid of us and we're going to lose our jobs. And Jesus, uh, we don't know. <laughs> that was their answer. We don't know. So then Jesus says, well, then neither will I tell you into which box you should put me. This is the portion of Mark's gospel that looks like Facebook comment section. You know, people shooting comments across each other, not really listening. They just want to hear their own head rattle. You can't put me in a box. And if you think you will be able to destroy me, come back on Sunday. On Friday uh, of this week, had the great opportunity to participate in, it's called One Small Step, uh, and it's part of StoryCorps, which is an initiative uh, from National Public Radio, NPR. You may have heard 
about it. It's an opportunity for you to sit down and to talk with someone with whom you might disagree. And you sit and talk with this person for a whole hour. There's you and them with a facilitator. You talk about your politics, you talk about life, you talk about family. In other words, you listen to another human being. And it's one small step of people coming together. And I encourage you to participate in this. If you're on our texting uh, announcements, there's a link right there and you can participate. There are four cities in the United States that's doing this and Shreveport is one of, one of them. You know, I often joke that, you know, if I happen to make a wrong turn and find myself at a wheelchair ramp uh, build or, or a mission project and you look, you know, you know I'm there because in the parking lot you see truck, 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 Camry, truck, 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 you know. Well, yesterday, a truck and a Camry sat together and talked for an hour. And through that process, you begin to understand that there is another human being looking back at you. Another human being who has a story. Another human being who might have a different politic than you. But they kind of want the same thing you do. They want peace. They want children to grow and learn they want us to be together. So I encourage you to do that as well. I encourage you to worship God and not the mountains of the world. I encourage you to serve even when it's not in season. I encourage you not to simply wave branches in the air. I encourage you not to look at the temple to see what kind of sacrifice Jesus can do for you, but to join Jesus in walking with the cross, living sacrificially, being fruitful, outdoing one another with kindness and generosity. And then, and then, maybe our holy imaginations will be satiated enough to understand the empty tomb when we gather again on Sunday to praise and give thanks to God. Hosanna, save us. Save us indeed. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, sovereign Lord, the one who enters into Jerusalem with power and might, but so quickly turns to the cross. Give us the courage to put down the palm branches and to pick up the cross and to follow you in sacrificial love. Save us even if that means saving us from ourselves. Help us to look at our neighbor and even our enemy as a child of God, one who has a story, one who has a narrative, another human being. And may we take courage. May we take great faith to topple the mountains, to overturn the tables, not out of anger or vengeance or so that we might build our own temple to ourselves, 
but so that we leave room for the cross, but so that we leave room for an empty tomb, so that we might trust that resurrection is true. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen and amen.